finding freedom in truth, pursuing truth in scripture. This is the Mormon Hope Podcast with Brandon Vaughn and Dave Malinak. Welcome into episode number 30 of the Mormon Hope Podcast. We have hit 3 Wow. Wow, we're old men now. Well, I, I'm pretty sure we were old when we started. <laughs> well, speak for yourself on that. <laughs> well, uh, but I don't we, feel old. <laughs> well, we are two Baptist pastors who live and pastor in the heart of Mormon country, Utah, and we like to use this podcast as a platform by which to define and defend our Christian faith as well as discuss the faith of our LDS neighbors and friends, as we have done so many times in our one-on-one conversations. And we're going to shift gears just a little bit here toward the end of the year and uh, get we're into... We're going to try to be nice today. Well, we're nice all the time. Right. Yeah, right. That, that's the rule. There there might be some exceptions to that that's rule. That's why everyone but, loves us. Yeah, well, uh, Jesus said, woe unto you and all men shall speak well of you. I don't... <laughs> Personally, I don't think we've ever had that problem. Yeah, ever. we've made it a goal. <laughs> but uh, we're going to do actually a Thanksgiving episode. Yep, I love to give thanks. Yes, and uh, after we come back from the Thanksgiving break, we're actually going to do uh, a series of Christmas podcasts hey. uh, based oh, on oh, oh. the <laughs> based on the incarnation. I don't know if we can do this because we have the classic Christmas curmudgeon. Across the table from me. Are right you really going to bring that up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So here's the thing. I've, I've got to get this out here. So, all my life, I've kind of had this rule, and I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible somewhere <laughs> that you cannot listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. You and, like to keep your holidays in their season. And I've always stuck to that rule. In fact, um, when I had my FM radio show, gospel radio show in Tuscaloosa, where I'm from, um, me and my co-host, mm-hmm. Big Al, we always had this disagreement because he was like a Christmas year-round type guy. Yep. Oh, yeah. And so it got to the point where we were debating about it, and we actually brought it to the point where we opened it up to the listeners uh-huh. to call in and vote on whether or not you could listen to Christmas music year-round or whether it should be you know, just like an after-Thanksgiving thing. Right. So I lost by one vote. <laughs> one vote. And so, so there are that many curmudgeons in Tuscaloosa. I, well, evidently there's more non-curmudgeons. But, <laughs> one uh, more. Yeah, just, just one, one more. Just one more. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so what they did, they ended up playing a, like a whole day of Christmas music. And uh, I think this was September when Just to torture yes. you. Yes. And from that point on, it never cease to amaze me it could be july mm-hmm. and somebody would call in and request something like the first noel <laughs> and they would dedicate it to brother brendan and they it just gave them such joy See, i think my daughter sneaks christmas music during the summer but i know for a fact that after labor day she's listening to it all the time <laughs> well here's what happened though. this is the first year and i even had to confess this to my church because i didn't know if i was apostatizing or <laughs> Or whatever, but um, I actually found myself listening to Christmas music. I started right. it uh, last week, actually, yeah. yeah, and I like it. Yeah, but I found out what the problem was. So um, I'm usually here at the school most days uh-huh. in the office right next door to yeah. Pastor Malinek's office. Yep. And the day after I started listening to Christmas music and breaking my rule, I realized. That you were listening to Christmas music in your office, and it <laughs> was right. it was just quiet enough to where I could just barely hear, hear it, it through, through the, the wall. wall. So yep. it was it was yep. like a subliminal message. Yep, yep. You know, like when See, the see it's uh, good cheer spreads. <laughs> uh, apostasy does too. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, but this is not apostasy. So anyway, because I, we're <laughs> celebrating the birth of our Savior. Isn't that a, a great thing? So I guess year I'm, round. I guess I'm coming out and admitting. That um, I've been set free. <laughs> That's so. right. He's liberated. <laughs> He's gotten away from his stodgy old rules. His Scrooge's shell self. <laughs> his little tiny heart has grown. Bah humbug. <laughs> but um, today we're going to look at a uh, little bit about the history of Thanksgiving. Not not only from a a scriptural perspective. But I think it's important to reflect on the reason why we do something. Oh, yeah. And the history of Thanksgiving, 
um, I really think in large part is perhaps misunderstood. I know there's some things about it, even as I was brushing up on my history for mm-hmm. this, there were some things that I didn't know. And so I think that's important. But uh, I got most of this stuff from the Journal of Social History. I found a really great article, concise article, about the history of Thanksgiving, both the spiritual side and the mm-hmm. commercialized side of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, going back to the beginning, and, you know, most people understand that it started uh, with a, a Thanksgiving feast between the Indians and the pilgrims, and that is true. Um, but what a lot of people may not know is that in the year 1620, the pilgrims had just arrived on the Mayflower. Mm-hmm. And half of the 101 passengers who came over on the Mayflower died during right. that year. They yep. didn't make it. And so I can't imagine how devastating that must have been. Showing up in a new place, you have no place to live. You haven't had time to grow crops. People have died from this long boat journey and the harsh winter. It, it would just been horrible. So when spring did come... Mm. Um, the Wampanoag Indians helped them mm-hmm. to plant crops and showed them some tricks of the trade and things like that. And they had a great harvest. And um, so they celebrated this, really the first Thanksgiving in 1621. And Chief Massawat of the Wampanoag Indians, it was kind of funny because they planned this feast out. Mm-hmm. But what the, the pilgrims didn't know was going to happen is Chief Massasoit brought 90 of his people with right. him. Yeah. And so what was so hilarious is they've stored up all this, you know, this food for the winter and they're going to celebrate with this massive meal. But when the 90 Indians showed up, they were yeah. afraid it was all going to be eaten in this one meal. <laughs> so they wouldn't have all anything. Store, they starve again. They wouldn't have anything to be thankful for after that. And so Chief Massasoit realized the predicament that he was putting them in. So mm-hmm. before they ate, he actually sent some of his warriors out. They killed five deer and brought them back and mm-hmm. added that into the pot. But uh, that's really where it initiated from. But but uh, ironically, Thanksgiving was really more of a regional holiday mm-hmm. for a long, long time. It just wasn't that big of a deal. Some yeah. of the New England states recognized something yes. to that effect. But the Thanksgiving, as we know and celebrate, the national holiday uh, was actually uh, instituted by President Lincoln Mm -hmm. in 1863, which, strangely enough, was in the middle of the Civil War. and um, I think that's the kind of thing that tests your gratitude when you're going through such a hard thing. And that was one of the reasons. I got this quote from the uh, Journal of Social History. I thought it was really good. It says, Thanksgiving was and is a holiday of American civil religion uh, that is steeped in religious belief in the national purpose and destiny of America. The nation, it was believed, was blessed by God and given special purpose in the world. Americans saw Thanksgiving as a holiday when all of the American people invoked God, but also wrestled with the troublesome idea that the country was at war because it was being punished for its national sin. (laughs) And so Abraham Lincoln instituted this, um, obviously, to be grateful for the prosperity that God had brought to the nation. But also, I mean, it really really seems like something that was instituted, uh, I I hate to use the word appease, but to perhaps even appease the God that was punishing our nation Mm -hmm. and resulting in war. Yeah. And so... um, I mean, imagine instituting that in the middle right. of our country's but, civil but war. But that's the right thing. I, I think that uh, times of great prosperity, of course, we ought to be grateful. And, and often people are, or at least there's a measure of gratitude that they feel in those times of great prosperity. But uh, it, typically, I think, in times of prosperity, we forget God. Oh, absolutely. But in times of great trial and difficulty— it is hard to thank God, and that's when your gratitude is truly tested, as I said. Yes. In our family, we, um, when, the, when our kids were little, uh, and three of my five kids are in college now, so when the kids were little, I mean, five, six years old, we started a family celebration on Saturday night, celebrating um, the Lord's Day. And part of that celebration included a weekly time of gratitude, where in our 
daily devotions, and we have family devotions together in the evenings before bed, and we will always pray. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for um, needs, various needs in our family, in our church, and that kind of thing. Um, but on Saturday night, we have made it a gratitude night. And so we, from the time the kids were little, we disciplined ourselves to thank God. And the rule was, can't ask for anything. No praying, just gratitude. Do you know how hard it is to pray without actually asking God for anything? You just... It's it's almost impossible. It was a good discipline for yeah. us. And we would, of course, we'd catch ourselves and remind ourselves, and we'd all laugh about it. But we would um, take different things. And we, when the kids were little, we would just talk through the week. And everything that happened, we'd go back to the Sunday before and talked about everything. And, and that's another thing we discovered is on Saturday night how hard it is to remember what you did on Monday. Yeah. Um, but we would talk through the week, and we would list the things that we should be grateful for from the week. And uh, and most weeks, and this is the thing, out of 52 weeks out of the year, uh, there's a lot to be grateful for and not a lot to be sad about. But there would be, you know, for instance, um, our dog died one week, and that Saturday and the kids is very emotional oh, yeah. <clears throat> for the kids, especially I'm not so emotional about pets, but the kids are. Yeah. I can't see that. And let me being emotional. Yeah. <laughs> not about a dog, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I'm not a real emotional guy anyway, but um, no. the kids, it was really hard and we were coming to um, time for gratitude and it was a challenge for the kids. But then uh, my wife's father passed away, and um, I think it was on a Thursday or Friday, and um, on Saturday, we got together with the kids, and uh, it's time for gratitude. Yeah. And and that's when what Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice, and when he said, in everything, give thanks, Yes. for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you that's when your commitment to be grateful is truly tested and yes um but but it's an important thing it, it very important thing that we do that that we give thanks to god and find what can we give thanks to god for in this and certainly uh hardships i think in many cases point us to god or push us to god and and i'm sure that that had a lot to do with Lincoln's decision to institute mm-hmm. such a, a day during the Civil War. Yeah. Um, and ironically, uh, some of the early festivities um, was they would have a church service on Thanksgiving. Right. And then the big meal would be lunch afterwards. And shared, right. Yes. And then afterwards, uh, you know, some of the men might go on a turkey hunt. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I can't do that now. Yeah. But... Um, but then as far as the commercial side goes, uh, of course, we know football is somewhat of a big deal on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And um, the Intercollegiate Football Association scheduled its first championship game Thanksgiving of 1876. Wow. Now, what was interesting about that, when that first happened, when they first uh, instituted football on Thanksgiving, uh, a lot of pastors preached uh, against Yeah, they sure oh, did. I'm not yes, surprised. Uh, their quote, they called it a desecration of a national feast day. <laughs> so pretty interesting stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time you get to the 1920s, that's when the games were first uh, put out on the radio and families would – you know, sit around and listen to it on the radio. 1956 was when the first game was televised on mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And um, between that, you had the first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which has become nothing but de- debauchery. Like, right. I can't, I will not watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awful. But it first began in 1924 and marked the commercialization of the holiday that we know now. But uh, before the secularization of Thanksgiving, it was a common practice to exchange books or to give books on oh, Thanksgiving. By the way, interesting. by the way, if you'd like to give us some books, uh, right. my address is. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've told my wife. Books. I told everybody uh, when they ask, "What do you want?" Just get me a, a gift card to Thrift Books. Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. The yeah. Thrift Books app. I keep those guys in business. Yeah, but uh, but it is is not known why that tradition was done away with. 
Yeah, and how because that... especially if it became secularized later, right? Let's just hey, let's keep giving the books. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's give books well, for Thanksgiving. Well, we could always reinstate it. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, we're we're starting we'll start a new trend here. We'll start. Yeah. yeah. Trendsetters. So that is uh, that's just a brief history, brief synopsis of Thanksgiving. And personally, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. I always do. Which, but you know, right now we're obviously just having moved from Alabama last year. We're trying to, you know, make new traditions because yeah. we don't get to go home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, last year we actually and, and you guys right. were with us. That's we actually right. went out and we uh, we we cooked food in a park here in Ogden. And then we uh, distributed food and hygiene bags and gospel tracts to the homeless in the streets. That's right. And so that was fun. And so I think, uh, you know, we weren't able to organize something quite that big this year. But I think um, my family and I, we're going to go actually to the homeless shelter. We couldn't do this last year because of COVID, but they're allowing it now. We're actually going to go to the homeless shelter Oh, nice. And and serve food to the yeah. homeless, and so yeah. I want to I want that kind of be our new tradition with our kids. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll probably have a meal with uh, you know some of our church members who are like family, but uh, back in Alabama, I mean it was nothing, and I'm serious when I say this, it was nothing to eat with four different groups in one day. Oh wow, we would have four Thanksgiving. I mean you'd almost have to have a wheelchair to get us out of there every time to <laughs> with. But um, oh, we have some. Great family traditions in our church. We um, people invite each other over, and that's a big thing. And I, I would guess anybody that wants to go somewhere is going to go to someone's house, and some big gatherings with that. Our family used to um, have the one of the bigger gatherings um, of people. We just pull all the furniture out of the living room and fill it up with tables and have food, and uh, then try to clear space so we could sit and watch a football game or something. Yeah, there you go. But uh, then when my wife got really sick and we weren't able to do that so much, and so then we did some things as a family and started some fun family traditions. we go to Jeremiah's restaurant. Oh, that's so good. I love breakfast at Jeremiah's. Oh, yeah, that's a good place. You know, I didn't even talk about the difference between Utah and Alabama. Uh I had no clue what a scone was until I got (laughs) here. That's right. But it's, it's basically like... Sugar bread. Oh yeah, but actually, I think it's actually like sugar on top. I think it's actually the manna that that <laughs> fell down to the children <laughs> of Israel in the Old Testament, and how they ever got tired of that, I'll never know. But but they make this homemade honey butter that oh, you dip it in. Yeah, oh, my it is. goodness, it's it is. it's the anointing. It's if not you, honey if butter. If you it's, set it on your forehead, if you took a scone and put it on your forehead. <laughs> Your tongue would beat your brain out trying to get to it. I'm telling you, it's that good. But it's good. Um, then we uh, would have Thanksgiving dinner. Now, with three of my five kids gone, uh, we are back this year. We're first time in a number of years that we're having some people over um, for Thanksgiving Day, and um, so you know, just uh, it's a it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it, it is. Really is. And, but the main reason that we bring up Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. is because when we do give thanks, it just presupposes the idea that we're giving thanks to someone. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's an argument against atheism, um, really in a powerful one because even atheists, um, from time to time will feel a sense of gratitude, um, and a desire to thank somebody. And the sad thing for them is, um, when they want to thank someone and have no one to thank. Yes. I I saw a thing, a family member of mine who's um, very, I I don't know that he's an atheist. Um, what he has said to me is that if God is there, then I need to have a word with him. And, um, but he recently, this family member was uh, visiting some national parks at Yosemite and, um, at the Grand Canyon and took some pictures and um, wrote on the picture, isn't nature awesome? Wow. And I thought, well, okay, you're thinking something. You're, you're acknowledging that there's something out there that made all of this, but nature is such an impersonal yes. thing. It really is a collision of matter and energy, and that's all. It's an impersonal force that somehow create something that we would describe as beauty 
and uh, we could get into atheist arguments and arguments against really atheism there the whole concept of beauty is is not even something that makes sense in an atheist well there's world. no standard by which to measure what beauty is that's right. what it's supposed to look like that's right and the feeling that we would describe as gratitude what is that this is in an atheist world gratitude is nothing more than a certain way that the heart palpitates and that's it. I brain mean, fizz. Not, yeah, it is. The brain fizzes sometimes angrily and sometimes happily. But, uh, you know, that's why I'm grateful to be a Christian. I Absolutely. have someone to thank, someone who is there and who is worthy of thanks and did all this, in fact, in order to be thanked uh, because he uh, he wants us to thank him. He made us to thank him. Yes. Spend our life thanking him. And so really when I'm giving thanks to God, I'm fulfilling my life's purpose in that because I'm, I'm overflowing with the gratitude that God intended that I should have. He made me to have this. Yes. And uh, nothing, nothing ever in my life makes my life better than when I live according to the created purpose, God's intended purpose for me. Oh, yeah. There's nothing greater than to be in line with the God that created you, Absolutely. serving the God that created you to serve him. Absolutely. And so uh, even though that takes on somewhat different forms in everybody's life, um, certainly we have all got our different circumstances. Uh, that is ultimately the reason we're here mm-hmm. is to serve and worship the God that Amen. created us. And part of that is giving thanks to him. Yeah. So we give thanks to the one true living God, the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But uh, what are we to give thanks for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a, a great subject. A lot of things. I mean, I have Psalm 136 open right now. I read it this morning. I always like to read a psalm. Before I start into my prayer time, just to get my mind thinking about God and His glory yeah. and His greatness, and I read this 136th Psalm, which is one of my favorite Psalms. Every verse, there are 26 verses in the 136th Psalm, and each verse ends with the refrain, for His mercy endureth forever. And so you have really an outline of Israel's history in the 136th Psalm, and it is punctuated with this phrase, for his mercy endureth forever. And everything in the psalm is another element of the mercy of God that endureth forever. And and so things, I I love the way it's broken up. And my favorite part of the psalm um, is uh, where he says, to him which led his people through the wilderness... I'm I'm going to skip that for his mercy endureth forever in a sec I'll come back to it in a second. And just talk about the story that's being told here, Israel's history. To him which led his people through the wilderness, to him which smote great kings and slew famous kings, Sihon king of the Amorites, and Og the king of Bashan. Now I am I love that part of gratitude right there. Of course, each one of those phrases is punctuated with this, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, it's interesting that to preserve this heritage of of God's goodness. And and this is the thing about gratitude, that here God is being good all the time, being good, being good, doing good to us. Uh, and men respond to that goodness either with gratitude or with anger and and, and, and condemnation. Yeah. And so there's a whole lot of that in our world, that here God is being good and men are angry with him for it and being, uh, being uh, condemning him for it. And... Uh, of course, that's why when when you live your life that way, your life is going to be filled with misery because you're you're kicking against a brick wall. Yes. And that brick wall is a good wall. It's God uh, who is doing good as he ought to, as he ought to. That's probably not the right phrase there, but um, he's just doing good to us all the time. Well, because that's his nature. That's what you're saying. He is as a, good. A good that's God right. will be good. He does good yes. because he is good. And so then 
um, the right thing for us to do is to respond to his goodness with gratitude. So Israel, in their praise of God, is recognizing all the many mercies of God that have been poured out on them. And um, <clears throat> these kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, the king of Bashan. And you think about them, they don't come to, to mind right away when you think about the the different giants in the land and the peop, the the men, giant men who Israel had to conquer, who were very frightening to them. Yes. And you see the mighty way that God overthrew them and Israel saying that this is the mercy of God. I think about, um, you know, the, the most famous giant in the Bible is Goliath. Uh, and David's victory over Goliath has been immortalized in the Word of God and burned into our memories. We can never forget that. But Og was also a frightening giant yeah. in the land. The Bible describes his bed alone that um, in such a way that you think it must have been a gigantic bed um, that he slept in. And uh, like we would feel like uh, Lilliputians trying to <laughs> climb up on that thing. And here's this giant man um, and God overthrew him. In fact, it's what part of the mercy of it is that you almost need to look it up to understand what was really going on to, to even learn about him. He was such a frightening man and yet is a forgotten man today. Because God's mercy endures forever. Yes. And when we talk about giving thanks for all things, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. And I guess the question would be, can we actually give thanks for all things in our life? Mm. And we're commanded to do that. Right. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 5 and verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people hear this and they say, well, how in the world is this good, the trial that I'm going through, the heartbreak, the tragedy that I've experienced? How could those things possibly be good? Mm. And the thing about it is Romans eight twenty eight promises that he's working all things together for good mm-hmm. to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so while every individual thing and event may not be good, mm-hmm. we can be thankful in the fact that God is working it for the good. Mm-hmm. And whatever he works for our good, he's working to his glory. Amen. And the only way that we come to the conclusion, I mean, this is this is easy to say. Sometimes it's hard to live it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we can say that God is not good. But if we do that, what we have done is we have made ourselves to be good. And we have judged God right. by our standard yep. of what good is. And yeah. it, it never works out that way yeah. uh, when we do that. Yeah. And so we can be thankful for what God is doing with these things. And even when you look at certain things in the Bible, uh, like Joseph in the Old Testament or the cross in the New Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament, certainly we could say that what Joseph's brothers did to him was not a good thing. Right. But when you look at the broad lens and what God did with it, certainly we can look at that and say that was a good thing. Uh, even when it comes to the cross, it's the most evil, wicked, heinous thing that mankind has ever done yeah. to murder the sinless Son of God. We murdered the creator yeah. of the universe. And yet that horrible deed yes. resulted in the best yes. thing that ever happened to mankind. God's greatest act of love right. was seen in man's greatest act of evil. Yep, yep, that's right. Yeah, when my father-in-law died, we sat down to give thanks, and and I remember very vividly because it was an emotional time, especially for the kids. You know, it's their grandpa, and um, how do you give thanks to God in that? Well, we we remembered his life and the things that he had done for us, and what dif- difference he made for us, and um, the kind of man that he was, and we were grateful for that. And of course, we recognized that his life gave life also to my kids in in time. But we also thank God that um, he had um, been merciful to my father-in-law in in the way that he died and that, you know, he he did die under somewhat painful circumstances. He died of ALS, um, which is a really a horrible disease. Yes, horrible disease. But that it could have been worse, and we recognize that, that it was the mercy of God 
that prevented it from being even worse thing than what it was. Even in a situation like that where you lose a loved one and you're experiencing that horrible one-of-a-kind grief, Mm -hmm. when I've counseled people, I've tried to explain it like this, that hole in your heart, that pain that you're feeling is the result of you losing a good thing. That's right. That's right. And isn't that the truth? Yes, you grieve because... Uh, you know, you're not with that person anymore. But think about the years yeah. and that you had with him and what a gift that was. So if you had the choice, would you just want to say, I want to just get rid of this grief, <laughs> having never known the good? Yeah. Or would you say, no way, I'll, I'll take the good and accept the grief because even the grieving is proof of a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The good thing that God Amen. gave you. And even when we, we talk about Thanksgiving and what we can give thanks for, ultimately, we have to give thanks for everything. Right. Because everything comes from God. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Yeah, well, um, yeah. I You know, do we have to give thanks for everything? Like, I wouldn't give thanks for someone if they murdered one of my kids. Well, you could like give that. thanks in yeah, everything. That's right. And, and and I remember reading something that Matthew Henry said, and I don't remember what he was commenting on, um, but the old Puritan commentator on Scripture, whose commentary still is like a gold standard of commentaries uh, to this day, but he was talking about this thing of gratitude and that even in trials, I can be thankful that um, in the trial that I'm not hurt by it more than what I am. I can be thankful that I've not faced more trials than what I have. I can be thankful that though I'm facing a trial right now, it's not one that will last forever. And I can be thankful that this is not, this is a rare thing. That's why it's painful to me. If it was a constant in my life, then I wouldn't um, even consider it a trial it would just become a normal part of life and so the fact that at times we face hard things and trials uh, that disturb our peace and our joy yet at the same time i recognize in this hard thing that god has been good to me and that's why it seems hard and you know like with both of us our wives suffer with um, debilitating sickness and even though sometimes that is hard, we still have a standard of goodness to measure that against so that we can say this is hard and it's not the way that it ought to be or the way we would want it to be. Yeah, and I'm actually to that point. I'm actually reading a book right now called If God is Good. Mm-hmm. It's about evil and suffering in the world by Randy Alcorn. Mm-hmm. And I'm about halfway through it. And so far, it's been the greatest theological work I've ever read on suffering. Like, it's not about the feels. Mm-hmm. But if you are really curious as to the questions of why, that's mm-hmm. that's the book you need to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was making the statement, the argument, that a lot of atheists and skeptics use the presence of suffering and evil in the world to prove that there's no such thing as God. Mm-hmm. And if there is a God, there's no way that he can be good. Right. And he said they've got it backwards. Yeah. He said the fact that we can even recognize evil right. and suffering and bad and wrong and evil presupposes right. a standard of good, right, moral, normal, that's and right. everything else. And that's that right. standard is God himself. That's right. And without that, we wouldn't even be – there would be no comparison. There would be no contrast there. And ultimately, um, when we talk about giving thanks, I mean, there's nothing in our life that we have that didn't come from the hand of God. I mean mm-hmm. – you say, well, I work hard for what I have. Well, who gave you the health and who gave you <laughs> right. the job and who gave you the ability to do that job? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our our material possessions, even our children are gifts from God. That's right. Um, and, and he's entrusted us to raise them in the nurture and admonition, Lord, and there's going to be a time where in the normal course of things, they're going to leave my roof. That's right. Start their own family, get married. You hope. And yeah, yeah, that's my prayer. <laughs> I want some grandkids sometimes. Yeah, that's right, that's <laughs> but right. you don't want a 50 year old son living at home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, it happens, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm rooting against it in my, yeah. In my house. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it, there's going to come a point where I, I'm going to probably make it more difficult to live with me than live without me. <laughs> but right. uh, but right. anyway. I tell them if you live in my house, you're going to have to change my diaper. So, <laughs> that's hilarious. But, uh, 
you know, I, I think I may have shared this before, but it's if I have, it's a great time to, to bring it up. But I've got a preacher friend of mine, uh, Dana Williams. It, it is a man. His name is Dana. It's kind of like the boy named Sue, I guess. Right. But but um, he was preaching revival somewhere, and he made the statement that you need to – he was preaching on thankfulness. He said, you need to go home and just write down a list of all the good things that God has done for you, all the things that you're genuinely thankful for. So they come back the next night of service, and this elderly woman walks up to him for service and just has the meanest look on her face, and she says, Preacher, I've got a bone to pick with you. And he's like, Well, ma'am, what did I do? And she's like, You told you said go home and write out a list of all the things that God has done for me that I'm thankful for. And she said, I didn't get to go to bed till about four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and isn't that true? Isn't that good? And um Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have had a Thanksgiving tradition since I was a teenager. Um, Thanksgiving morning, I like to take a walk by myself, and I like to review the year and think through all the things that God did for me over the course of the year. Now, as I get older, it's really hard to remember anything past like three hours ago, (laughs) and so it's quite a challenge to do it. But, you know, when I do... I remember that verse that says that he fills the year with his goodness. Yes. Um, There are so many things over the course of a year, so many things that I have to be grateful for. And even though, as I said, my wife is sick, she's not sicker than what she is. She could be a whole lot sicker, a whole lot sicker. And she is functional. She's able to, in fact, her. I think her health is improving, though we have setbacks. Um, my kids are alive and thriving and growing, and uh, I am delighted by what I'm seeing in them and seeing God do in their lives and uh, our church. God's blessed our church in unspeakable ways over this past year. It's been really an incredible year for us, and um prospects, people that we're, uh, we're working with and discipling and um, teaching the Word of God, instructing them in the gospel. Um, just so many things that I could go on and on and on about. Um, you know, something we haven't really talked about here on this podcast, um, but over the summer, God basically gave us a camp. I mean, yeah. we paid a couple dimes for it, um, but uh, God gave us a whole camp. It's got uh, a modern kitchen facility. It has a pavilion and a lodge and a A-frame house and a shower facilities and 20 cabins and a chapel. And it sits on like uh, 15, 16 acres up in the forest. Um, well, in the forest. This is the West, so you have to think forest. It's yeah, we've got uh, Aspen Grove. There. We've got 9 million acres of national forest around where we live. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's gorgeous. Yes, and, it is. Um, this, and then, of course, it's added a new dimension to our ministry and the way we're able to be a blessing to churches in the West through it. And uh, this is, and, and God just basically put it in our laps. And, uh, you know, again, I could go on and on about it. Uh, but what about you? Well, I mean, first and foremost, and I, I know this probably sounds like the cliche Christian answer, but <laughs> he's going to one up me right now. Number one, I'm thankful to be saved, uh, just to know the Lord, and having known the Lord at a young age, God saved me at 14, mm-hmm. and I've uh, never gotten over that. I'm thankful for my family. Got three beautiful kids, and you know, even though Leah, her health is is not good, uh, she suffers a lot, and sometimes it's worse than others. These past mm-hmm. two weeks, for some reason, have just been worse, mm-hmm. and and it's tough, man. It's mm-hmm. tough. But, but she told me the other day. She said the only way that I could ever be disappointed is if God doesn't use this. Oh, yeah. That's... And so, I mean, it makes me feel knee yeah, knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah. I mean, it could be. I mean, how many people would have done other things to cope with this? Yeah. Uh, we're almost three years into this now. But um, I'm thankful for my my home and my church. I got I pastor a wonderful church and. Uh, I'm just thankful to um, to be able to study the Word like I do, and and I mean I've I've just got so many things. I'm I'm a healthy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, actually I just celebrated my 37th birthday yesterday. Just a kid. 
Yeah, well, yeah, just a kid, I guess. And uh, I like to think of it that way. Yeah. But, um, man, I got so much to be thankful for. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of times I think that maybe even subconsciously we may never say it out loud that, um, you know, our circumstances dictate our level of thankfulness. Mm-hmm. Well, I would be more th- thankful if this would happen or if I got this prayer answered or if I had this breakthrough. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you read the book of Philippians, it really obliterates that argumentation mm-hmm. because in that short book, the Apostle Paul uses the word rejoice or rejoicing in all of his different forms. He uses that word 17 times yeah. in the book of Philippians. Yeah. And if you didn't know the background, you wouldn't know the fact that while he's writing that letter of rejoicing and thankfulness, rejoicing in the Lord always, he is actually chained to a Roman guard. He's in prison. 24 hours a day in a Roman prison awaiting execution. If Paul was making a list of grievances, he would have a few. Yeah. And he didn't. And if you think the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates are bad, just think about being in prison. In prison. For... It was really a false accusation that landed him in on trial to begin with yeah. because he was accused by the Jews of bringing an Ephesian into the temple proper and uh, where Gentiles were not allowed. It's not true. He didn't do that. Um, but then after that, it became a trial of his faith. And everywhere he goes, he's just rejoicing in this, just rejoicing. Yeah. Praising God. What, yeah. a, what a good thing. And even in the Old Testament, we're going through Genesis on Sunday night at our church, and we're in the life of Joseph right now. And it really stuck out to me more so than in times past, but whenever Potiphar's wife uh, tried to seduce him, he answered her and said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, seeing that he's put all these things into my hand? He talked about how Potiphar entrusted him. And so his reason for not giving in to this sexual temptation was the fact that he was so thankful yeah. for how God had been good. He was a slave in Egypt when he yeah. said this. He was That's had right. been betrayed by his brothers. And yeah. and so I think I'm actually been preaching next week on the guardian of gratefulness mm-hmm. out of Philippians. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, what a weapon. Yeah. I mean, Satan has nothing to offer. It's true. In fact, um, now that you mention that, it reminds me of something um, in Ephesians. Yes. Um, where the Bible talks about Ephesians five, uh, where the t- Bible talks about fornication and all uncleanness, and um, that sort of thing, it really all, names all the different kinds of sexual impurity, um, and he says, "But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather." giving of thanks. So right there, he's talking about thanksgiving, thankfulness as the antidote to sexual temptation. Yes. And this is something that we don't often hear and don't often think about. And I know I had not thought about it, but fornication and sexual impurity, immorality is the hallmark of ingratitude. Yeah. To say that, God, what you have given me is not enough. It's not good enough. It does not satisfy me. I need to have what I want. Yeah. And so gratitude, really, and, and married men, single men, um, and young men, old men, whatever, whatever state you are in, to look at it and say, God, you have been exceptionally good to me. And to be filled with gratitude, that is the best safeguard against what is one of the most fundamental sins known to man, this sexual sin. Yeah. Uh, you know, they jokingly refer to uh, uh, prostitution as the oldest occupation or something like that. It, it, it's really to make a mockery of God, but um, it shows that on both sides of the coin, um, there have been these um, sexual temptations and that the scripturally the way to combat them is gratitude yes uh, well it, you know satan has nothing to offer grateful people and i mean that goes all the way back to the garden if you if you think that you can only be as thankful as your circumstances allow mm-hmm. i mean think about adam and eve in the garden yeah they had absolute perfection no sickness sin death separation that everything provided for them they walked with god in the in the cool of the day and uh, even then, 
they wanted the one thing they weren't allowed to have. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea that, oh, I can only be thankful if I have things to be thankful for is never going to work. You're never going to be satisfied. It's never going to be enough. Yeah. And so you can find things to be thankful for right now in your own heart and life. And what I found is when I'm really feeling bad or I'm maybe angry or hurt or, you know, things aren't going my way or I'm going through a trial and I really feel myself having a pity party. I know that our listeners never do that, <laughs> uh, but only us uh, Baptists do have Mainly pity parties. You, Cause you're like the Grinch. Oh yeah. Over there. Oh yeah. Well, listen, I'm listening to Christmas music. I listen to Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> and before Thanksgiving, but uh, if we've got that mentality, uh, it'll never work. And I found that when I, get in that situation, if I will purposely praise God, if I will praise God on purpose, it Amen. helps me Amen. because it's impossible to have praise and complaints come out of the same mouth at the same time. Yeah. It's just impossible. Exactly right. Exactly right. So we've got to get to one more thing here because we are the Mormon Hope Podcast. Yes. And we're right here as you introduce our podcast every time you always say we live and minister in the heart of mormon country yeah utah so how about that do we have some things to be thankful for when it comes to utah to being in the heart of mormon country? we live in a beautiful place oh my I, um, I mean, it's a feast for the eyes. Yeah, I, you know, I'm from Alabama. If, in case y'all didn't know, I wasn't from here. But, um, and I try to tell our folks, you know, where we lived, it was pretty common for people to take a vacation uh, in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. It was mm-hmm. a relatively short drive, and it is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And and I know I'm probably going to get some hate mail for saying this. <laughs> I, I never saw anything in Tennessee that could even remotely compare with the valley that I live oh, in. It's yeah. not even – and pictures don't do it justice. No. Um, I, we try all the yeah. time. We take pictures, and and it never turns out yeah. what you're seeing. You just – we. I mean, I like to share it with other people, uh, but uh, we are truly blessed when it comes to what we can see. And not just visual, because it's a wonderful thing to me that I don't just sit and enjoy it. Um, I, my family and I love to go hiking, walking, biking, kayaking, all the outdoor adventures that you can imagine are all right here. I mean, we can go and when we say a hike, you know, um, when we, my kids are in college out in the Midwest and when their friends say they want to go for a hike, my kids say, no, 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 you want to go for a walk. Yeah. Big difference is a climb. And when they come out here, the Midwesterners where I'm from. Now, when they come out here and they say they want to go for a hike and then they um, get on the hike and they say, you didn't tell me we were going to go for a climb, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you can get up above the valley so high and it just gets better. I mean, the, the view from the mountains is as good as the view of the mountains. Oh, yeah, definitely. But we're not just thankful for the scenery, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're thankful for... The people of Utah. Oh, yeah. Are we not? Yeah. I am. I yeah. mean, I know we, we hammer them on this podcast. We're pretty nice. We hammer them nicely. <laughs> yeah. It's like a ball-peen hammer instead of, you know, like a sledgehammer all the time. Uh, but sometimes I think some probably feel like it's a sledgehammer. Um, I mean, we're, we're taking what the LDS believe, and we're answering it from Scripture. Yes. And I know that that can be hard, but let me say this, and Brother Brandon, he's more of the gushy, lovey, he's oh, a Hallmark yeah. movie kind of yeah. guy. I do like and, Hallmark movies. And, yeah. Don't hate. That's where I'm a grunch. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't handle all the Botox and <laughs> the predictability of it. It's just, uh, but anyway, um, I, I love the Mormon people. I love the LDS. Yeah. I love... The people of Utah. Uh, when I go back where my kids are in college in the in Northwest Indiana, um, you, there's a lot of the Chicago influence there. Yeah, and um, boy, you get there, and it, there are some people that um, know how to be nasty. Oh yeah. Um, I went to a sports event, a, a wrestling tournament in Northwest Indiana, as I love wrestling. My boys are in it, and 
Um, I went to one and I was just, I was watching it and thinking, man, we are blessed in Utah. I mean, nobody was flipping at the Utah um, at uh, different uh, wrestling tournaments and so on. People aren't flipping each other off. Um, They're not flipping off the crowd. They're not, you know, saying whatever they say to each other um, here. You know, the people are genuinely kind, compassionate people. Yeah. Um, And uh, and when I go out evangelizing and uh, introducing myself to people, uh, the nicest people I meet are LDS. Yeah. And more than happy to have a conversation with me at their door. And uh, it's something I really enjoy. Now, the give and take, the conversations. Um, I have a number of LDS friends who want to sit down and talk about what the Bible says and want to understand more of what I believe. And, of course, I'm delighted to share that with them Oh yeah, as well. And, uh, of course, they want to persuade me of um, their false religion and uh i want to i want to show them the true light that is in christ absolutely that's why we did this podcast yeah it is and so um after praising them for 10 minutes you hit them gracefully with a hammer again (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if they're thankful for us (laughs) (laughs) that's right we're thankful for them well But um, so we've got a lot to be thankful for. It presupposes that we got someone to be thankful to. Amen. We can give thanks in all things, regardless of our circumstances. And we pray that um, our listeners and the, all of your families that you have a great, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, we want you to be thankful too. Yes, and I'm I'm, th- I'm so thankful that I have Dr. Fauci's permission to gather with my family <laughs> this year. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know. Did he give it? I, I who cares? I, I, that's I just, the that's the original Grinch right there. It is. He is. It is. But um, only his his heart never grew. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. But <laughs> but uh, so we probably just triggered some people. They were feeling grateful thoughts, and then they said, "What? You went and blew it." I'm thankful that our listeners are graceful. <laughs> but um, so we'll take a little hiatus. But when we come back after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a series of Christmas-related podcasts. Wall-to-wall Christmas. On the, yeah, on the incarnation. Oh, yeah, we're going to be full-blown elf mode oh, by yeah. then. Yeah, I'll be singing. <laughs> well. Um, <laughs> you have nothing to say. You're speechless. I don't, yeah, I didn't have it much. But anyway, I was trying to envision that in my head. But Yeah, uh, yeah. well, if you anyway. heard Kermit the Frog sing. <laughs> Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> <laughs> but it, anyway, we, uh, we we love to hear from our listeners, and uh, we want to hear questions, comments, criticisms, and even if you would uh, like us to talk about something specifically related, related to Christmas, we might be able to do that. But uh, you can go to the website of the church where I pastor, which is Grace Baptist Church in Logan, Utah. The website is gracebaptistlogan.org. My personal email address is preacherofgrace, that's one word, Preacher of Grace at Yahoo.com and Pastor Malinak. I am P Malinak at gmail.com. Pastor of Berean Baptist Church in Ogden, and uh, we'd like to welcome you to our service. We hope that uh, you and your family have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will catch you after the holiday. We love you and God bless. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>